Good morning. Welcome to Sunday Morning with Love and Action. I am Ken Tuck. Thank you for joining me today. I hope you are enjoying this Sunday, and I hope you are ready to hear about the wonderful things God is doing right here in our community. This morning, we are going to just have a great conversation with our good sister, our friend, Gia Hughes from Dare to Hope. Gia, thank you for joining us this morning. Thank you so much for having me. And my beautiful bride, Martha, is with me. So, Martha, thank you for being here this morning. Yes, and thank you for having me. And today, the topic is human trafficking. So uh, please stay tuned. We're going to jump into that topic and talk about the signs and talk about things you can do to help just to have the Lord leads this conversation. We're going to talk about that this morning. And before we do, I'm going to ask Martha if you would open us up in prayer. Yes. Heavenly Father, we just love you. We praise you. We thank you just for your awesomeness, Father, for your so many blessings already, Father, today. We thank you just for your great love. Sometimes earthly words are just so inadequate, Father, but we thank you and we love you. And Lord, we ask you to orchestrate this conversation that we're going to have, Father, with everything going on. God, you be glorified in it. And God, may it point people to you and point people to help those less fortunate than us, Father, um, those that are caught up in in trafficking and and, uh, all kinds of ungodly things, Father. We just ask you just to help us, Lord, and help those that are listening, Father, just prick their hearts. Lord, and to not just to know about it, Father, but to do something about it, help it where they can. And uh, Lord, we just love you and praise you and thank you for this opportunity and for this privilege today just to share what you're doing and uh, how people can help, Lord, to further your kingdom, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We always have tissues in here when Martha's in the studio. (laughs) Bless her. I love her so much. She has such a tender heart. Today, we're going to talk about a topic. Many of you have probably heard about, uh, maybe you heard about it from the recent movie Freedom uh, about human trafficking. Uh, They're focusing more on the children, selling of the children. I can't really talk much about it because I haven't seen it, but I know it has brought awareness. That's a good thing. Uh, But today we're going to talk about human trafficking and that it really does exist right here in Dothan. It has for a long time. And to be perfectly honest, Gia was the one who introduced us to what was going on because this ministry uh, guys just called her to it and man she's just done a wonderful job and I know she wants to wants to talk more about Jesus and the ministry Dare to Hope than her uh, but it takes a great leader to do what Dare to Hope does and Gia is just that. Gia when you first was talking to us about this actually it was more than 10 years ago maybe it was about 12 years ago and we started to see because once your eyes get open, you can actually see it. It's like homelessness. A lot of people go around and they don't really notice the homeless until you get involved like a ministry like Love and Action. And you go, oh, wow, I do see the homeless now. It's the same with human trafficking. And my comment then and still is now, it's the most evil thing I've ever come across, ever seen, is somebody taking a human being and selling them like that person is a product. Gia, let's start out talking about human trafficking. Uh, Give us some real-life stats of what human trafficking looks like, and we'll just go from there. Okay. I'm here with two of my most favorite people because um, it is with the opportunity that we had through, that I had through Love and Action to be able to step into this place. But the stats are that it is the most progressive criminal activity on the earth right now. Other than drug trade, um, human trafficking is steadily increasing to overtake that because you can sell a drug one time, you can sell a person over and over and over again. Unfortunately, it is a horrendous evil and that we do see it here in our community. We want people to know what it looks like here because it's not what you see on the movies here. 
And Gia, you wrote in the blog last month now when you were the 10th anniversary of Dare to Hope. And wow, it's hard to believe it's been 10 years. Time time flies. You shared the story about a young lady you saw at a truck stop. I remember that vividly. Yes. (laughs) I mean, I can see her right now. Mm -hmm. Share that story with people. It gives a true picture of what it looks like. Right. And I would love for people to know, I mean, I was serving here with Love in Action and I had served with Love in Action for about four years, four and a half years prior to that. So in homelessness, you learn and you see a lot of things and you don't always know what you're seeing. But for me and for that blog post and just for my heart and your hearts as well, it's a yes. It's a yes to the Lord, no matter what he puts before you. And so when he called me to Love in Action, it was getting outside of the walls of the church The church is wonderful. We love the church, but there's people out here that will never enter the doors of a church. And so he had called me outside the walls, and I stepped in to love and action and was so graciously welcomed there. But I I didn't have a purpose. I didn't know what to do. And so I swept, and I took out garbage and because it's just a yes and then over the years as we did outreach we would do outreach to to the bus station and to the local area but in your opportunity to see Christine Kane you recognize that there was something going on but we didn't know it was going on here in Dothan and so that outreach was called to go in our local area to see if there was human trafficking here and I can remember so vividly I wasn't originally to go on that outreach but the Lord pressed in my heart, and I didn't know why, because I didn't know anything about human trafficking. I'd, I had seen the movie Taken at that time, and I didn't know anything about it, but I knew that I was supposed to be on that outreach. And, of course, I presented that. Y'all said, yeah, and we're going to go out on a Friday night. And th- at that time, we were doing uh, ministry at the bus station when it was downtown. And so I started the outreach to see if we had trafficking in the area was set up to be on a Friday night. And so I started looking on the Internet and seeing what is human trafficking? Like, what does it look like? And so when I would look into statistics or those signs, it it wasn't what you saw in that movie. And we decided, you know, I learned a lot through that. And we had gone to the bus station on a Tuesday night. And that whole week was an encounter with the Lord for me. Tuesday night, we had a girl come in, and we minister men to men and women to women, and this was a young girl, and she was with a male that was very dominating, and she couldn't say anything to us without him shaking his head and allowing her to speak, and that really struck my heart, and then that was on a Tuesday night. The girl came in on a bus, and she left on a bus, and whether she was being trafficked or not, she was definitely being groomed at that time. I learned later in my own learning, but then Friday night was when we met the girl at the truck stop, and her name was Lynn, and we had gone to the Welcome Center on 231, and then we would hit truck stops along I-10 in about a 70-mile radius of our location, and we got to this truck stop, and she was sitting out front on the curbing, and she had the darkest spirit I had ever seen, Um, and she was just panning the parking lot with her eyes. She didn't say much, and of course, we went over, and we talked to her, and we bought her anything that we could buy her in the store, clothing and food and coffee, and we gave her a blanket, but still, she was very dark, and I asked her, I said, is he here? Is he coming back for you? And we didn't oppress her. We would get up, but what that really let me know that night is it doesn't matter if you wear a cross or you show up in a van that has a cross. It's not about that. You have to build a relationship for them to help trust you enough to take a next step a lot of times. And so at the end of that night, um, and we went ahead and did our outreach, we would go back and forth and talk to her and just offer her help. But there were other homeless people at the truck stop. And one of the things that struck 
struck me about her so much was that she had bug bites all over her legs and we know from the homeless community what that is and usually they're in the woods or something but all she had on was a pair of men's white boxer underwear and she had a t-shirt and a garbage bag with a few items in it and that just really burdened my heart because we offered her the opportunity to help her to a hotel or anything and she wouldn't take it and eventually she left with one of the homeless men and I went home that night and the Lord just he wrecked my heart for that girl and for the girl I had seen on Tuesday and I prayed, I prayed all weekend about it. You know, you have those moments because uh, my moment was Nathaniel, mm-hmm. homeless man in Atlanta. And you always remember that you'll never forget Lynn. Right. You'll never forget that name. We've met tens of thousands of people since then. And I can't remember a lot of people's names, right. but I remember Nathaniel because, as you said, God wrecked your heart. He mm-hmm. broke your heart for what breaks his. That's the experience I had with the homeless, uh, with Nathaniel. And so the key there though, was you, you didn't just say, okay, God, thank you for showing me. Um, It's a really bad thing. Please lead somebody to do something about it. You said, God, you're calling me to this. Mm -hmm. So here I am. Mm -hmm. And that's obedience. And we talk all the time about obedience. That's the key. We go from Genesis to Revelation and we see obedience and we see what happens when you're disobedient. Of course, disobedience is sin. But when we're obedient to God, we may not understand you didn't know the ins and outs of human trafficking Mm -hmm. but you were willing to learn because you knew god called you to that that's right and you were willing to learn and be obedient say okay god i don't know what i'm doing which that's actually the best spot we can (laughs) be in (laughs) so show me and as your spirit leads i'll go so that really jump-started the call of god on your life then you do something that we believe so much into and that's consistency in ministry Mm -hmm. because you mentioned something very key, relationships. Mm -hmm. And especially in the world of human trafficking, they don't trust anybody because of the horrors that they've been through. But over time, when you're out there consistently showing them love of Christ, how does that change how they look at you or or others who are out ministering to them? Yeah, I feel like you have to have a relationship with the Lord. It has to start there. And to come off of that story, I had an encounter with the Lord on Monday of that week. So within a week, Tuesday to Monday, I had three encounters with the Lord that very much sealed up what I knew he had for me. I had no idea that it would be human trafficking. I had no idea that it would be starting a ministry. But I knew that he had so wrecked my heart in a way that he poured fuel on it for us to be able to move forward. And, and we didn't start a ministry right away. I do know that relationship is key. And on that day, we knew that she rejected our help because she didn't trust us. Most people don't trust us. And we've seen over the years, we are in it for the long haul. It is not a short term, give out a meal, give out a resource, and then leave. Everyone that we serve is a long-term service a lifetime service. We tell them we'll walk out life with them. And there was a woman here that was being trafficked for, we knew her for like four and a half years. And finally, after four and a half years, she came out because she had built enough trust with us. And she's doing fantastic. She loves the Lord. She's stable now, has housing um, and opportunities. And it's a beautiful sight to see, but it is not a short term, but it, it came through relationship. And that's the key too. That's one. That's a big difference between real life and movies. Right. You know, two hours. It's not a problem's not solved in two hours. Okay. Right. That's not reality. It takes time to build these relationships with people, and when they see your consistency, 
they see that you really do love them. You're not just here to, as we talked about before, um, in Atlanta, the, the drive-by. It wasn't a shooting. It was just somebody would drive by a parking lot full of homeless people, throw out the food and take off. Mm-hmm. Okay, you're getting them some food. That's nice. But there's no relationship. And so they're going to think that nobody really cares. You know? Right. And what we've learned, they crave somebody to listen to them. They don't have anybody in their life that listens to them anymore. And they have such valuable voice. They just don't always know how to use it anymore. And that's one thing God tells us to do, to, to be the voice mm-hmm. for those who don't have it. You know, he tells us to stand up for justice, uh, to love justice, right? That's right. And to walk humbly with our God. That's right. So, right. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you know, movies have been made and people see it that way. But let's bring it, let's continue to bring it home here to Dothan because we really want people to understand. It's like when we first started homeless ministry here, we had so many people say, there's no homeless people in Dothan. Right. Well, okay. There's a lot There's of homeless. And so, you know, but now that more people have seen it and more people obviously have been involved, not just with us, but with other ministries, they see it. And so um, the, the great thing is, like we talked about, people are helping, people are responding. And so with human trafficking, that's the first thing. Oh, there's no such thing as human trafficking in Dothan, Alabama. Well, there is anywhere you're at. Mm-hmm. It's going on. I remember a big awareness came when the first arrest the first conviction, I should say, even right. more importantly, in the state of Alabama happened right here in Dothan. Mm-hmm. And so that was a huge statement saying, see, it's here. Right. But, um, and that was three weeks after all of this other stuff that God right. had done. So that arrest happened on the circle in the motel close to Krispy Kreme. And yet more validation for me that God was working here because I came home and I started really digging what does human trafficking look like here not somewhere else but here and then that arrest happened with the 17 year old girl um, that had gotten away from her trafficker which is unheard of because only usually two percent get away and how many people do they think are being trafficked gosh there's millions millions really and two percent out of millions Mm -hmm. that's a a wake-up call right there that that help is needed but Gia what does human trafficking look like in Dothan Alabama what we found that human trafficking looks like is that people have mental manipulation that keeps them in bondage. The definition for trafficking is someone that is commercially exploited, bought commercially. It has to be something of exchange. But so many times people think it's money in exchange, but in reality it can be anything of value. So it can be drugs, it can be food, it can be a place to stay. Trading sexual favors for any of those things becomes trafficking the key words are force, fraud, and coercion in the definition. It has to have something of one of those elements in it for it to be a trafficking situation. For a juvenile, you do not have to prove force, fraud, and coercion, but you do have to have something. And, and with mental manipulation, a lot of times all of that is there. There can be force. I'm making you do this. Fraud is that I've presented an opportunity to you, and it's not accurate. Like job, we see that with job resource, somebody bringing someone here to work a job and they're not paying them the scale or they've falsified the records for that. And then coercion is just the manipulation that we find too many times. And with the movie Sound of Freedom, it's a kidnapping situation and people automatically go to the idea of human trafficking. I saw it all over the internet with that movie. But realistically, kidnapping is only 2% of people that are trafficked. So if you've got 2% that are trafficked, because the result a lot of time from a kidnapping is not trafficking, it's much, it's horrible. Like it could be murder, it could be uh, other forms of abuse, but it's not normally trafficking. So if it's just 2%, what is the other 98% 
here. And so we look at boyfriending. There's a term called boyfriending in the world of trafficking where a Romeo person will come in and uh, manipulate a woman to think that he's the boyfriend and then he'll flip it on her. And then we also have familial trafficking, which is a parent trafficking their child for resources, which was a gut punch to me. I couldn't imagine somebody trafficking their child. I couldn't imagine that a person would do that. But we have girls that we serve that their parents did that to them. And the most likely of that is a mom trafficking her child and then a mom's boyfriend or the stepdad is the second most likely to do that. And that, that just blew my mind. I couldn't imagine it. Yeah, again, evil. <laughs> evil, uh, pure evil. Pure evil can only make people do it. You know, the Word of God tells us that we're capable of anything evil yes, without him. And human trafficking is definitely a prime example right. of the evilness that's in the human heart. And therefore, a parent to do that. I mean, it's horrible for anybody. But like yes. you said, it's hard to believe a parent would do that. But it does happen quite often. We have to be on alert here, especially on our campus. You'll have every now and then we'll have somebody driving through and we have to mm-hmm. see what they're doing here and get them out if they're not here for for mm-hmm. the right reason. But having your eyes open, being alert, knowing the signs and then knowing what to do. We can't be like Liam Nelson. That's you know that's just the the, the movie. That's right. So, Jay, give us some signs of human trafficking, and then if we see it, what do we do? Okay, for trafficking, you know that any person that gets trapped into trafficking, um, there is a vulnerability somewhere. And every person has a vulnerability, so it's a person that would just see that, like you said, about people coming on campus. The women that are here, or even men, trafficking doesn't just happen to women. It happens to men. It happens to children. So they are looking to exploit a vulnerability. So they come to places that people are vulnerable. They don't have housing. They don't have food. They don't have the resources that they need. And that's something we see, particularly here in Dothan. A lot of people think we have tons of resources in this city, and we do not. Women are having to survive on the street without the proper resources, and then that opens them up to a vulnerability where a trafficker could come in and um, take advantage of them. What we particularly look for, and there's a you can go to our website on daretohope.net, that there are a ton of indicators. We don't always look for the physical, but they're easy to see the physical where they've been beaten or um, they may have lack of care, like you may see evidences of drug or addiction where they may be missing teeth. And then you partner those ideas with, or those indicators with, there's a controlling person in their life. That's a big indicator. If there's somebody that won't allow them to speak or they won't allow them to handle their own documents or they manipulate them in in appointments. Um, And then there may be signs with tattoos Those are some indicators, but there's lots of people with tattoos, so you don't just take one. We usually see if there's two or three indicators going on with a person, and it's more likely. And then we start building a relationship, trying to see if they'll tell anything or, you know, just through relationship. And they don't always tell. A lot of times they're threatened not to tell. And so we build relationships to be able to, for them to trust us. Because when you think of a parent betraying a child, that's some of the, the heaviest betrayal that a child could have. There's no way to b- rebuild trust with that person is super hard. But over time and consistency, they will come to trust us. But some of those things are just there's physical indicators, there's mental indicators. 
and then we try to pair if there's two or three indicators going on, which is more likely that they're a victim. They're not just in the category of homelessness. They, they're not just in the category of mental health, possibly, but there's really something going on in that controlling other person has a lot to do with that. And then what we do, you know, if it's a situation that's right in front of you, don't call me. Call law enforcement. Law enforcement told me a long time ago they would rather you call and it not be anything than not to call and it be something. You can call local law enforcement. Um, They do have eyes on situations that go on here. What we have to understand, it's not just people that are transported into our community that are trafficked. There's plenty of people that live in homes with their trafficker that live here in Dothan, Alabama. And so we want people to be aware it's not movement. That is not trafficking. The transportation of a person has nothing to do with it. It's just whether or not they're being exploited through force, fraud, or coercion in the trafficking world. You can, if you suspect it, but you don't know that it's something you need to call law enforcement, you can call the human trafficking hotline number, or you can text the hotline number, and they can get the assistance to the authorities and to the agencies that have resources in that area. And that can be anywhere in the United States. That doesn't have to be here. What is that phone number? The National Human Trafficking Hotline number is 888-373-7888. Or you can text the word INFO to 233-733, and that will at least alert the National Hotline Center that there is a situation going on that needs to be looked into. And the thing about them, they're not the fastest response. That's why we tell people to call local law enforcement, especially if it's something that needs to be handled quickly. But they do, they're a non-governmental agency. And when you're talking to girls, a lot of times they're afraid their trafficker has threatened them because it is the girl a lot of times that goes to jail. So they're terrified of any law enforcement involvement. But we know to prosecute, to move toward conviction and prosecutions of traffickers, we have to have law enforcement partnerships to be able to take care of that side of it. That's not our side, you know, but they have a very valuable part in it. Well, Gia, let's tell folks what you do with Dare to Hope and how can people get involved. That's what we're praying for. We want people not just to know about human trafficking or even know a couple of signs, but to get involved with it. So what all do you do with Dare to Hope and how people get involved with you? With Dare to Hope, um, we are a victim advocacy agency. We serve victims. The Lord told us to love him and to love them, and that's what we do, and we want to do it well. One of our biggest rules, and y'all know this, but if you make a promise to somebody, you keep it no matter what it is because when you're trying to build for them to see trust in him, they can't trust him if they don't trust you. And so that is probably one of our biggest policies. But then what we do is we reach out to areas in dark places in our city, some of the same places you all go. We go to local motels to serve women and to meet women, to build relationship. That honestly came off of that truck stop encounter to go and build relationship with women that are living in motels and just to start um, conversations put eyes in places that other people don't go because they're dark places in our city. And so we go out once a week and serve food and offer prayer in that. And then if there's anyone there, we offer resources. And it may not be a trafficking victim. They may need clothing and food. So we 
point them to resources in our city. So that's one of the things that we do. The Lord also told us that not just to take food to them, but to bring them into our table. And so the table is an important part of family. And so some of the women that we meet, we offer them to come in for a devotion and uh, a time of eating at our table. We do that once a week. And that's all, those are two opportunities that people can get involved in by bringing food or providing food for those outreaches. And then we serve women in the strip clubs in our area. We build a relationship with them and just offer opportunities for them as well and love them where they are because you have to love people where they are. You can't go in with the intent to change people. He changes them. We don't do that. But love changes, you know, and so we want to love well. That's another opportunity. And then as a victim advocacy agency, we work, we have a residential home facility that God, like you need to go read the story because God yes. did it. <laughs> it yes, is incredible. It's an amazing story. Um, what God did. And it's on our blog section. Um, actually, it's on our Facebook as well. We've just posted with our 10-year anniversary last year. And it's my 10-year anniversary of when he called me in, not the, not necessarily the ministry, because he didn't start the ministry for a couple more years. I served here in the capacity of um, human trafficking um, director for Love and Action for a couple of years as he was growing and teaching me and teaching this community what it looked like. So we'll have that anniversary. We'll, we like to celebrate at our place. <laughs> it's a good thing um, to celebrate. We, yeah. we think so, too. But so we do that. And then through the residential facility, we offer opportunities for change. It's a safe, stable environment. One of the things that's the hardest for us is that women that we serve here, we don't always want to keep them here because their traffickers are here. But we partner with agencies across many states really to get them to the best place for them, for their stability. And so we advocate for them in courts. We advocate for them in rehab, for rehab placement or other placements, whether if homelessness and survivalism is what they're dealing with to get them to a place of stability. Our, we don't like our tagline, we don't really have a slogan, but our tagline is from vulnerability to stability. And so through Jesus, we can become stable, but we also need practical resources for that. And so that's a part of our women's services. We have lots of things that are going on with our shelter home and, you know, are really wanting people to come on board to help us because there's art classes and there's uh, lots of opportunities that can Bible studies, things that can happen within our shelter home. But also God has opened the door for us this week and we're very excited to announce it, but we're opening a GED classroom in our office and we have a job training curriculum that's going to be gone side by side because everything that we do is trauma-informed and trauma-based because every person we serve has been through trauma. And so just looking at the opportunities that are before them, just wanting them to have the best of what he can offer them, and he gives us the privilege to get to do it, to walk out life. So that's with our adult services. And then um, he's given us the great pleasure of working with juveniles. We do education and awareness in the community to teach at-risk teen girls about human trafficking, about what grooming looks like, about dangers of social media. But he's opened every door within the juvenile justice system because those girls are at risk for us to be able to minister to them. And so now we get to go into the diversion center lockup to teach Bible study weekly to girls. We get the girls group home and we teach them and mentor them weekly with Bible study. 
we partner with local JPOs to do aftercare for girls that have been through the system. And then we do pre-diversion, offering girls that have not been fully entwined into the juvenile justice system, but are at that cusp of being the avenue where they really could change their life um, and not have to go into it. We've had that door open for us to be able to mentor and teach and um, all those girls get human trafficking training because they're most at risk. And so God is doing so much and it's incredible to watch what he's done and what he's continuing to do and just having the vision to know that we just keep saying yes and he's going to keep on going. Yeah, amen. <laughs> amen. Well, that is a lot that's going on mm-hmm. that Dare to Hope does. So y'all have heard at least some, there's more, but opportunities that you can get involved and just want to encourage you Um, Don't just say, well, gee, that's a nice thing Gia and them are doing at Dare to Hope. Pray for them and get involved because this is a need in our community. And as a believer in Jesus Christ, we want to help those who can't help themselves. And this is is an opportunity to see victory in Jesus over the most evil thing that I believe is in our society today. Uh, Well, gee, I told you 30 minutes goes by really fast. (laughs) And so to wrap it up here, uh, for people who want to get involved and also to donate, it costs money to do ministry and finances are so important. How can people get more information, learn how to volunteer, learn how to give? Right. You can go to our website at www.daretohope.net. On the bottom, you can subscribe to our information that we put out through our website, email. And then for more information, you can email us at info at and we'll get back to you. Or you can follow us on Facebook, and that's Dare to Hope, Inc. We post most of our stuff out on our Facebook page, and we try to get it over to Instagram, but most of it's on Facebook. And that we put out a needs list about every other month. We have a registry for specific needs that we have within the shelter house and within our ministry of items. And then You know, we would love for people to get involved. When he burdens your heart because of what's going on around us, and it is going on around us here in Dothan, to move to action. And if God is burdening your heart, no matter if it's with us, with Love and Action, or another agency here in the community, God's people, we want you to rise up because there's no more pleasure than to be in the middle of God's will for your life. Gia, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. We will have to do this again. Thank y'all for joining us today. And remember that Jesus loves you so very much. And I pray the Lord bless you and keep you. And may the Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May he lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.